accepting this idea is crucial for you to reach any goal or reprogram your mind. You have to accept the idea that you have power, that you have the ultimate power to choose and make a decision about your attitude and how you are going to show up. Welcome. You're listening to the Reprogram Your Mind podcast, and I'm your host, Todd L. Bowerly. You think between 60 and 70,000 thoughts a day, 98% of your life is controlled by habit. If you want to change your life, you have to start by changing how you think. think. When you change you, everything in life changes. If we can see it in our mind, we can hold it in our hand. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. My name is Todd Bowerly. I'm your host. This is episode 210 of the Reprogram Your Mind podcast. I am a coach. I do work with clients all over the world, helping with their mindset, where their mind is set. Now, your mind can be set to freedom or your mind can be set to being a victim. Your mind can be set to prosperity or your mind can be set to poverty. Your mind can be set to abundance or lack. It is up to you on where your mind is set, but it isn't always that way. In fact, most of the time, we're not even thinking or aware that we can change the thermostat of our mind. If we've been struggling with lack our entire life, it's really hard to just set it to abundance and let everything take care of itself. Most of the time, our mind is initially set by our conditions, our circumstance, the environment in which we are born into and raised. That is where our mind gets its initial setting from. And if we want to change our results, we need to change how our mind is set. And one place, this is for me as well, growing up, my mind was very much set in a victim mentality. And yours is probably too. A victim mentality is this idea that life happens to you and you react or respond to that. And things are just going to happen that are outside of your control, outside of your influence, outside of your ability to react and turn it into something that's productive for you. And, and you are, in, in essence, powerless to change the outcome of your life. And, and in order to get a change in results, you need to have some sort of change in circumstances. Things need to become easier. Or you need to have a lucky break. One of the ideas that Bob Proctor really instilled in my mind was that luck is a word that we use, that we invented and created, and we use when we don't understand the causes for a result. Right, We know that someone had a favorable result in their life, but we don't know what happened to create that, nor do we believe that we can duplicate or create that same kind of success. So we just call them lucky. That is a hallmark of a victim mindset. Other people are lucky and you are maybe fated or destined to struggle. And I will tell you that this looking for a reason why our lives are the way they are, for causes in the world of conditions and circumstances, it is the biggest addiction that we have on our planet. We do it all of the time. We blame the algorithm for this. We blame the economy for that. We blame uh, we, we blame politics for this and the decisions of the party across the aisle, not, not on our side of the aisle, whatever side that might be. We blame the other party for the causes of challenges in the country. 
The last thing in the world we want to do, or seems like we want to do, is to take responsibility for ourselves and our lives and our actions. We are addicted to finding causes outside of ourselves. This here, whatever this is, this is the reason why I can't do it. This is the reason why I can't earn more. This is the reason why I'm unhappy. This is the reason why I'll never have a happy relationship. This is the reason why I can't invest in myself right now. This is the reason why I can't have a dream home. This is the reason. And most people, if they want to change their lives, they say, I'm going to go do this thing. I'm going to go change my life. I'm going to go reach this goal. And I will do that when this changes, when this part of reality changes, when my conditions and circumstances have changed, when I have more time, when I have more money, when I have more energy, when I have more whatever. And guess what? Those conditions and circumstances do not change, and therefore people never actually take the action that they need to to reach their goals and change their life. And this is actually why I think 43, I read this the other day, 43% of people who start New Year's resolutions expect to give up by February. This is why people believe that you cannot change is because we have empowered circumstances and conditions in our lives to rule over us like tyrants. Well, you know what? I absolutely reject that idea. And I've talked about this before. I've been on this soapbox a little bit before. But I want to share one person's perspective here that absolutely obliterates and destroys this concept of a victim mentality. I don't care who you are, what your race is, what your religion is, how much you've earned, where you live in this world. You are not a victim of your reality. You get to co-create with the reality, the hand that has been dealt to you. But you have choices and abilities to move beyond those conditions and circumstances. And the person I'm going to go through, I'm going to go to his book, Man's Search for Meaning, by the author Viktor Frankl. Now, this the subtitle here, on the, at least the copy of the book that I have, is The Classic Tribute to Hope from the Holocaust. Viktor Frankl was imprisoned in many concentration camps during World War II, including Auschwitz and Dachau. These are places that, I mean, the names should be very familiar to anyone who has a cursory awareness of World War II concentration camps in the Holocaust. And this is a tale of hope coming from the most dire and powerless of circumstances in the last hundred years, where people were round up because of who they were, of, of, of their genetics, their religion, their, their professions, their ideas. They were round up for who they were, and they were systematically exterminated. Now, again, I cannot think of any other group that has had this much dire oppression in the last hundred years. How, Todd, could there possibly be hope that comes from this sort of environment? Well, I want to read a little bit from this book, and we're going to discuss the very nature of that hope right now. I want to start with a little story that Viktor Frankl shares within here. Uh, th there seemed to be this attitude of apathy, clearly, obviously, it makes sense, apathy amongst these prisoners. Not unlike the apathy most people feel in corporate America, this idea, I don't want to tempt fate. If I just keep my head down, then maybe I will luck out. I will luck out and be able to survive this. He shares this little story called Death in Tehran. Here's the story. A rich and mighty Persian once walked into his garden with one of his servants. The servant cried that he had just encountered death who had threatened him. 
he begged his master to give him his fastest horse so that he could make haste and flee to Tehran, which he could reach the same evening. The master consented, and the servant galloped off on the horse. On returning to his house, the master himself met death and questioned him, Why did you terrify and threaten my servant? I did not threaten him, he said. I only showed him surprise in still finding him here when I planned to meet him tonight in Tehran, said Death. I, I love how shocking and chilling this story is. And I've heard similar versions of this before, right? Like this damned if you do, damned if you don't, or actually we are condemned by the very choices that we make. And so better to not make a decision than to potentially make the wrong decision. And I think we have to recognize that it is through the power of decisions that we shape our lives. And if we uh, have our ability to make decisions completely and utterly destroyed by our environment, we give up the only power that we have. Of course, then we're just going to allow life to happen. Uh, but this happens because we're terrified of making any decision. We don't know what the right decision is, so we'd rather not make any. And standing still is absolutely, I would say, even worse than making the wrong decision. I'm sure you've really felt this way before in your life, uh, whether it's in, in your job or in your relationship or in school. I, there's many different places where I have felt the same way, and I have chosen paralysis rather than actually taking action. And so that's the state of mind that, that the prisoners in concentration camps had, and, and, and even worse. And I think observing from the outside, it makes perfect sense that you would think and you would feel that way. That there's, there's no way that you could think that you have hope or some ability to change things. That you're powerless with these conditions and circumstances. Well, Viktor Frankl addresses this just later on. He says, I may give the impression that the human being is completely and unavoidably influenced by his surroundings. In this case, the surroundings being the unique structure of camp life, which forced the prisoner to conform his conduct to a certain set pattern. But he has these questions here. But what about human liberty, right? I, I think we have this idea of free will and do our conditions and circumstances just rob our free will? He says, is there no spiritual freedom in regard to behavior and reaction to any given surroundings? Is that theory true, which would have us believe that man is no more than a product of many conditional and environmental factors? Is man but an accidental product of them? Most important do prisoners' reactions to the singular world of the concentration camp prove that man cannot escape the influences of his surroundings? Does man have no choice of action in the face of such circumstances? You very likely have these same exact thoughts about your job or your company or the economy that we find ourselves in. Maybe it's your family of origin or your relationship status, you might feel totally powerless. Well, he answers these questions and writes, we can answer these questions from experience as well as on principle. The experiences of camp life show that man does have a choice of action. There were enough examples, often of a heroic nature, which proved that apathy could be overcome and irritability suppressed. Man can preserve a vestige of spiritual freedom, of independence of mind, even in such terrible conditions of psychic and physical stress. 
We who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. Accepting this idea is crucial for you to reach any goal or reprogram your mind. You have to accept the idea that you have power, that you have the ultimate power to choose and make a decision about your attitude and how you are going to show up. Now, the attitude definition that I have continued to use is an attitude is the alchemy, the mixture of your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions, your behavior, what you do. That is your attitude. And you have the ability to choose your attitude. You can choose your thoughts and choose what to think. You can choose your feelings. How do you want to feel about what has happened? And you can certainly choose your behavior and your reaction or response to your environment. You have that power. You have that power in as much that you refuse to yield that power to the environment around you. He writes, There were always choices to make. Every day, every hour, offered the opportunity to make a decision, a decision which determined whether you would or would not submit to those powers which threatened to rob you of your very self, your inner freedom, which determined whether or not you would become the plaything of circumstance, renouncing freedom and dignity to become molded into the form of the typical inmate. Now, you might think there are only two choices here. Project yourself into the concentration camp for a minute. One who is passive and downtrodden and controlled by the guards, or one who fights back and rebels. I think we have this idea that I'm either passive or I'm aggressive, that if there's injustice around me, I'm either going to be silent and go along with it, and I'll be some sort of accomplice in, in that sense because I will allow injustice to continue to happen. And if, if I don't choose that path, then I have to actively fight against it and resist it. I think there are many ways that we can show up. There are many different flavors and expressions of attitude that still embrace the idea of freedom. One of the ways that Viktor Frankl suggests that you can show up is with dignity, with the patient endurance of whatever suffering might be happening while holding and clinging on to the idea of hope, waiting for the right time and opportunity to take action, not just reacting in anger aggressively and, and fighting everything. And I think that's what happens in our culture of outrage. We see something that's negative and we want to sound off on social media. We want to be aggressive instead of really thinking through the opportunity and seeing what is the best path forward with dignity and with power, we're so busy caught up reacting that we have no ability or space to be able to think, to be able to choose what our responses can be. He says here, in the final analysis, it becomes clear that the sort of person the prisoner became was the result of an inner decision, not the result of camp influences alone. Fundamentally, therefore, any man can even under such circumstances, decide what shall become of him mentally and spiritually. 
He may retain his dignity even in a concentration camp. It is this spiritual freedom which cannot be taken away that makes life meaningful and purposeful. What spiritual freedom? Well, the freedom to decide how you show up. And, I, and I've said this before, that I feel like the, the purpose of life is to grow, to become more than you currently are. The mechanism for becoming more than you currently are is a decision on what you will think, what you will feel, and what you will do. We have infinite decisions before us about how we are going to show up. Every single moment, you have a choice. Do I move closer to my goals, to my ideal self, an expression of who I want to be, or do I move further away from that? In every decision, in the thoughts that you think, the feelings that you experience and how you behave, do I move closer towards my goals and my ideal or further away? The beauty of this simplistic view of reality is that it doesn't matter what you choose because whatever you choose, it's going to lead you to another decision. And in that decision, you can move closer to your goals and ideals or further away. And you can choose to move further away from your goals for as long as you want to be. You can take six months and move further and further away. You can move uh, away from your goals for 10 years at a time and not take any action on it and become so incredibly stuck. And you are still faced with a choice that with whatever choice is before you, I can continue to move further away or I can stop and I can do something different and I can take one more step closer to my goals. And then the next day I can take another small step closer that is our spiritual freedom that cannot be taken away. Are you moving closer or further away? How are you showing up? Let me go back to reading here. He says, We have stated that that which was ultimately responsible for the state of the prisoner's inner self was not so much the enumerated psychological causes as it was the result of a free decision. Psychological observations of the prisoners have shown that only the men who allowed their inner hold on their moral and spiritual selves to subside eventually fell victim to the camp's denigrating influences. The question now arises, what could or should have construed this inner hold? Now, right here, we come to a very interesting point. He says this, on entering a camp, a change took place in the minds of men. With the end of uncertainty, there came the uncertainty of the end. It was impossible to foresee whether or when, if at all, this form of existence would end. The Latin word finis has two meanings, the end or the finish and a goal to reach. A man who could not see the end of this provisional existence was not able to aim at an ultimate goal at life. He ceased living for the future in contrast to a man in normal life. Therefore, the whole structure of his inner life changed. Signs of decay set in, which we know from other areas of life, such as he gives, he gives this example. The unemployed worker, for example, is in a similar position. His existence has become provisional. And in a certain sense, he cannot live for the future or aim at a goal. Research work done on unemployed minors has shown that they suffer from this particular sort of deformed time, inner time, which is a result of their unemployed state. You see... Limbo, uncertainty, allowed people to disengage from thinking about the future, striving towards goals, and instead just sort of living day to day. Listen, listen here closely. And again, we're talking about what relinquishes this power of decision, this spiritual ability to choose. He says, 
a man who let himself decline because he could not see any future goal found himself occupied with retrospective thoughts, meaning that he went into his mind, into his intellectual faculty of memory, and thinking about what had been past and in sorrowing for the past, these are my words, in sorrowing for the past, it blocked him from being able to see the future. Listen to this. In robbing the present of its reality, there lay a certain danger. It became easy to overlook the opportunities to make something positive of camp life, right? So if you are so involved with the past, the memories of the past, the things that maybe were wonderful that you've forgotten or the missed opportunities, you become blind to the positive opportunities that lay before you. And he says here, and those positive opportunities really did exist. Life, he says, for such people became meaningless. Most men in a concentration camp believed that the real opportunities of life had passed. Yet in reality, there was an opportunity and a challenge. One could make a victory of those experiences, turning life into an inner triumph, or one could just ignore the challenge and simply vegetate, as did a majority of the prisoners. That's what we're seeing here in life now. I think the majority of people feel like the heyday of, let's say, just in in Western America, like we have this idealization of a post-World War II, 1950s, uh, early 1960s heyday of industry and success. Uh, And certainly, I, I think if you're a white male, you tend to think that way more. And if you just look at the nature of our economic reality, like the cost of eggs now compared to a year ago or the cost of bread now compared to 50 years ago, it seems like it gets harder and harder and harder. And when we're in that sort of existence, we just, we don't see our opportunities. We don't see them. Our future looks more bleak and we can't dream. And now we're floating through life. And when you're floating through life and you're not making decisions, it's just like that death in Tehran story. I'd rather not make any decisions. I would rather allow conditions and circumstances to make the decisions for me. And now you have fully stepped into and embraced powerlessness and that inner hold on the future, on hope you have let go of and you have no power to direct and decide for yourself what your life will look like. I want to continue with Victor's words here. Any attempt at fighting the camp's psychopathological influence on the prisoner by psychotherapeutic or psychohygienic methods had to, must, it was required that it had to aim at giving him inner strength by pointing out to him a future goal which he could look forward to. Instinctively, some of the prisoners attempted to find one on their own. It is a peculiarity of man that he can only live by looking to the future. And this is his salvation in the most difficult moments of his existence, although he sometimes has to force his mind to the task. Let me unpack this for a bit. The best way to bring hope to people was to have them look to the future for a goal something that they could be, do, or have, or achieve, something that was worth living for. And it's funny, this idea that we we can't live in the past. We can't live stuck in the anxiety and depression of our past experiences. We'll become enslaved by them. We'll be blinded to our opportunity and we'll start to decay. We'll start to disintegrate. Our body will be put at dis-ease. We have to have something to look forward to. And 
he says right here, sometimes he had to force his mind to the task. Because uh, we become what we think about. If we've been thinking about the past, we've been thinking about regret, and we've been thinking in powerless terms, it's really easy to have a chain of thought flow in that direction. And it's really difficult to turn it around. It takes practice. It takes support. It takes guidance. It takes mentorship. It takes leadership. It takes knowledge and awareness to force your mind to the task of building your future. And he shares this personal story. He said, I became disgusted with the state of affairs which compelled me daily and hourly to think of only such trivial things. I forced my thoughts to turn to another subject. And suddenly, I saw myself standing on the platform of a well-lit, warm, and pleasant lecture room. In front of me sat an attentive audience on comfortable upholstered seats. I was giving a lecture on the psychology of the concentration camp. All that had oppressed me at that moment became objective, seen and described from the remote viewpoint of science. By this method, I succeeded somehow in rising above the situation, above the sufferings of the moment, and I observed them as if they were already of the past. Do you see what happened there? He found a goal. Now, a goal is not just an idea. Our mind works in pictures. Your mind works in pictures. My mind works in pictures. And he found the picture, the image of a goal, of him speaking to an audience, down to the upholstery that they were sitting in. And what was he talking about? He was talking about the struggles of which he was going through. And he immediately projected himself into a future, a future time where his past struggles had already occurred, had been resolved, and he found psychological relief from it. He felt better. And that relief allowed him to engage in this world of fantasy more and more. And the fantasy fed him. The fantasy, the goal, the dream that you have will feed you the energy that you need to be able to take the action and reach it. He says here, the prisoner who had lost faith in the future, his future was doomed. With his loss of belief in the future, he also lost his spiritual hold, right? That inner hold on that spiritual freedom to choose and decide. And by doing so, he says, He let himself decline and became subject to mental and physical decay. Usually this happened quite suddenly in the form of a crisis, the symptoms of which were familiar to the experienced camp inmate. And we all feared this moment, not for ourselves, which would have been pointless, but for our friends. And usually it began with the prisoner refusing one morning to get dressed and wash or to go on the parade grounds. No entreaties, no blows, no threats had any effect. He just lay there, hardly moving. And if this crisis was brought about by an illness, he refused to be taken to the sick bay or to do anything to help himself. He simply gave up. Now, I know there are a lot of people that have just simply given up because their mind is not used to working into the future in a positive and constructive way to find a goal, to find an image, to find the hope that they can cling to, to decide, am I going to show up and move towards that goal or further away? Most people do not have a goal or dream anymore. They've given up and they are pushed about by conditions and circumstances. So what 
happens to change people and get them in back engaged in life to be able to make these decisions. Well, I will tell you this, either they have someone that comes to them and teaches them about the power of their mind and says that you can become what you think about and you have to choose what you want to think about. Otherwise, you're going to let conditions and circumstances control you. And that affects them. Those words affect them somehow because they're listening and they're receptive and they're ready to take action towards that goal and make it happen. Or things get harder and more difficult for them because we only have two motivations. We either have the pleasure that we're moving towards the goal that we want, or we have the pain that's making our current reality more and more uncomfortable until we decide we are going to do something about this. I am going to do something different. I'm going to become someone different. And when you make that decision, you transform the reality around you and you manifest and create the new life through the power of your decision on how you're going to show up. Am I going to move closer to my goals or am I going to move further away? So here's a closing thought that I want you to meditate upon. And Viktor Frankl writes this. I remember two cases of would-be suicide, which bore a striking similarity to each other. Both men had talked about their intentions to commit suicide and both used the typical argument. They had nothing more to expect from life. And in both cases, It was a question of getting them to realize that life was still expecting something from them. Something in the future was expected of them. We found, in fact, that for one, it was his child whom he adored and who was waiting for him in a foreign country. And for the other, it was a thing, not a person. This man was a scientist and he had written a series of books which needed to be finished. His work could not be done by anybody else any more than another person could have ever taken the place of the father in his child's affections. Okay, so listen up. You have a work and a purpose to fulfill here that no one else can do. You have dreams, passions, desires, wants. You have fuel. You've just ignored it. It's time to stop ignoring what those goals are and acknowledge them to let them out. But you also have different traits, different characteristics. You have different skills. You have different experiences. You have some value to offer that will help bridge the gap between where you are in those dreams. Now, there is a third piece. There is an opportunity that I believe the universe has custom fit for each and every one of us that your talents and attributes and characteristics and skills and interests and all of those experiences along with your desires can snap into like a missing puzzle piece. And when you find that, you will find this work that cannot be done by anybody else. And that is what life expects you to do. Life expects you to show up and be the person you want to be. And that is a unique expression of your potential. He says here, This uniqueness and singleness, which distinguishes each individual and gives a meaning to his existence, has a bearing on creative work as much as it does human love. When the impossibility of replacing a person is realized, it allows the responsibility which a man has for his existence and his continuance to appear in all of its magnitude. A man becomes conscious of the responsibility he bears toward a human being who affectionately waits for him or to an unfinished work will never be able to throw away his life. He knows the why for his existence 
and he will be able to bear almost any how, meaning if you can accept this idea that there is a work for you to fulfill and that all of the things that have happened in the past have shaped and honed you into the instrument that can execute that work more perfectly, and you are willing to make the decision every day to become better, to take one step of progress towards that goal and becoming that better and more perfect you who, who fulfills its potential, I promise you, you'll find the meaning of life, you'll find the energy that you'll need, and you'll begin to move forward. Here's two questions for you to answer and meditate. Number one, what is the work that you are called to do that nobody else can perform? What is that? If you ask the question, I promise there's an answer there. And number two is, what are you going to do today to make that a reality? It is in the power of your decision that you will exercise your spiritual freedom, that you will break away from the chains of a victim mentality where conditions and circumstances have power over you. You will shake off those shackles and chains. You will find freedom and you will find joy in this experience. Now, it's not super easy. You have to force your mind to the task and it's going to be up and it's going to be down. And if you just cease to stop worrying about it and focus on what can I do right now, I promise you, you're going to make progress. And one day you're going to wake up in a totally different world and you're going to realize ah, that decision that I made to show up, that made all of the difference and everything was worth it. Thanks for tuning into the Reprogram Your Mind podcast. If this episode impacted you in some way, I want you to share it with someone that you value in your social support network. Send them a link to this episode and say, you've got to hear this. Okay, that's how we make the world better by getting this message into as many people as possible who are willing to shake off the chains of their imprisonment and walk into a life of freedom. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a future episode of the Reprogram Your Mind podcast. And please leave a review on whichever platform you are listening to. And until next time, remember, we become what we think about and so do you.